Hey, man. Welcome to the Bedatitudes podcast, episode 16, to where we talk about blessed are the dads who are merciful to their kids. You know, um, throughout this whole series on blessed are the dads who are merciful, uh, as with every other uh, Bedatitude, we started with first our relationship with our Heavenly Father, then we talk about our relationship with our wife, and now our relationship with our kids. Um, and as we said in, throughout this mini part series, um, merciful, being merciful doesn't mean letting people off the hook. It doesn't mean pretending things are better than they are. It means treating another person in a manner that reminds them of their dignity and worth in God's eyes. And that's why sometimes we will bear wrongs patiently, and other times we admonish the sinner. Both of those are spiritual works of mercy, um, but they're both ordered to helping the other person realize what they're worth in God's eyes. Um, and so in this part of this three-part series on Blessed are the Dads Who Are Merciful, we're going to take a look at your relationship with your kids. Uh, and I want to explore six ways that we can be merciful in our relationship with our kids so that they can always remember what they're worth in God's eyes. Um, the first one, I'll just, I'll just review them all first, then we'll go through them individually. First is show them you care through affection and service. Second is practice servant leadership. Thirdly, gather your children. Fourth, provide support. Fifth, be curious. And sixth, catch them being good. So let's start with showing them you care through affection and service. You know, like we were talking about in uh, the last episode where we were discussing being merciful to our wives. You know, again, people don't realize what they're worth unless we're appropriately affectionate and affirming to them. Our bodies were created for affection. Our, we need that human touch. Um, and our kids especially need that. They need to know through their senses that we love them. It's not enough for us to have love for them in our hearts or to love them in our own way. They need to feel it. They need to hear it. They need to experience our love through their senses. And I've hit this theme over and over again through the Beatitudes podcast series. Um, but, but I just want to you know, remind you all that, that the word became flesh so that we could experience Christ, Christ's love, God's love, through our senses. And when Jesus ascended to the Father, he gave us the sacraments so that we could experience his love through our senses. Um, we are embodied creatures, the theology of the body reminds us. We need to experience love through our senses in appropriate ways in order to know what we're worth. Our brains were created to need that physical affection in order to have skills like emotional regulation and empathy and good moral reasoning even. Affection is key. And, you know, I know a lot of men aren't comfortable being affectionate with each other. And, and as, as the years have gone by, I've seen that improve. Um, but if you struggle being affectionate, you don't have to throw down all those defenses today. Um, but I just want to challenge you to do a little bit more, to challenge yourself every day, to, to be just a little bit more affection. Give that extra hug. When you give that extra hug, hold them a little bit longer. You know, when you walk past, ruffle their hair, put your arm around their shoulders, look for things to praise them for. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but building up that affection, we can't know what we're worth unless we're experiencing that healthy, appropriate affection. The second way to be merciful, practicing servant leadership, 
You know, Jesus says, you are my friends if you keep my commands. Well, St. Ambrose was confused about this. He, he wasn't, he, you know, because friends don't command friends, right? Well, he realized, St. Ambrose did, that Jesus was talking about a different kind of friendship. Uh, the kind of friendship that is rooted in um, a willingness to observe what the other person needs and help them meet those needs. You know, obedience being that that I'm turning my heart to you through my loving service. I'm, 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 I'm paying attention to you, and I'm obeying what you need, and I'm responding to those needs. You know, servant leadership isn't about commanding our families, isn't about ruling our families with an iron fist. It's about really listening. What do you need from me, and how can I help you get it in healthy, godly ways? Servant leadership is all about facilitating that process. And we've talked about this before, but just you know, facilitating that process by which our spouse and especially our children can learn to express their emotions and meet their needs in godly ways. Kids don't come out of, of uh, or come into the world, don't come out of mom knowing how to express their needs respectfully, knowing how to express their emotions respectfully. They have to be taught that. And too often, you know, we get our backs up when we feel like our kids are challenging our authority. Um, but when we practice that servant leadership, we remind our children what they're worth in God's eyes by helping them see um, that all the needs they have and all the feelings they have are good, but they need to learn to express those needs and feelings in appropriate ways. And they can turn to us to learn how to do that. And so we practice servant leadership by recognizing first that we must listen to what God is trying to tell us through our children and then teach our children how to meet those needs and feelings in godly ways. Now, sometimes we don't know how to express our feelings in appropriate and godly ways. Sometimes we don't know how to express our needs and feelings uh, in, in godly ways. And, and, and if that's the case, then it's okay to say, you know, this is something we can work on together. You know, son, you and I both struggle with our anger. You know, son, you and I both struggle to follow through on things. Let's keep each other accountable. It's okay to do that with our kids because, you know, even that doesn't give away our authority, Right. That helps our kids respect our authority, because what does what is authority? Authority isn't bossing people around. Right? It's setting the agenda. It's facilitating the process by which change is made. You know, I'm when I when I go to my son and I say, you know, we both struggle with anger. Let's help keep each other accountable for being more respectful to each other and to, you know, the people in our house. That's me exercising authority because I'm taking charge of the process by which change happens. You know, my child learns to defer to me because I'm taking charge of the process by which change happens. I'm not bullying them. I'm not bossing them around. I'm not saying, do what I say or else. I'm saying, you know, this is a problem and it needs to be addressed. Um, and we both struggle with it. So let's help each other do better instead of just giving in to our, uh, our worst selves and expressing that. Let's help each other be everything God created us to be and challenge each other to be the men we were created to be. The third practice, gathering our children. So, you know, as we have a tendency, and this is not just men, but, but moms too, um, have a tendency to just run into a room and yell, hey, go, go clean your room. Hey, go do your homework. Hey, get off the screens. You know, and then we go on about our thing, right? We just, we just issue commands as we run through. Um, and that undermines our kids' dignity because it treats them like slaves rather than people you know if, if if anybody ever came in 
and saw you doing something and said, hey, aren't you supposed to be doing this and such? You'd be furious. And, and rightly so, because that person would be treating you not like a person who had needs or concerns, but like a slave. No, um, that doesn't mean that your kids don't have to obey you. It means that you have to change the way you uh, you you acquire that obedience, right? So gathering your children comes from this idea that was um, uh, promoted by Dr. Dr. Gordon Newfeld. He's a parenting expert and child developmental psychologist um, who talks about the importance of collecting our kids. Now, collecting is when you go to your child and instead of just yelling a command as you run through the room, you get that on their level. Or you look at them in the eye. You make sure that you have their attention. You, you say, hey, buddy, what are you doing? And you listen to where they're at. Oh, I'm playing this game. Oh, I'm doing this, drawing this picture. Oh, I'm writing this letter. I'm doing this thing. You know, oh, that's really cool. So you take 30 seconds, a minute to find out what they're doing and say, hey, look, um, I know that you're doing this thing, but I'm really going to need you to clean your room. So I'm going to need you to wrap this up. How much time do you need? You know, can you can we can you go now or do you need two minutes to wrap this up? What's, what's going on? And you get their buy in. You, you collect them. You get their attention and you you tell them what you need and you set up the circumstances uh, through which they're willing to listen. Again, if, if somebody came into you and said, hey, what are you doing? And you told them what you were doing and, and, and they, they expressed real genuine interest in what you were doing and said, hey, look, I, you know, I know you're doing this, but I'm also going to need you to take care of this in a little bit. You know, can we work out a time frame to make that happen? I mean, you would respond to that a lot better than if they just came in, yelled at you and walked out of the room. Right. What's the difference? Well, you know, the, the, the first way, the, the collecting way reminds you that you're a person that treats you like you have dignity and worth and, and that you deserve to have me come to you and take the time that I need to figure out where you're at and what you're doing and uh, how we can work together to move to the next thing. Now, you know, whenever you're giving those commands, just as an aside, remember that you can't assume that having told your kid to do something, they're going to jump up and do it exactly when they say, right? So you need to follow up on that in that two minutes or five minutes or whatever time frame it was. But the most important thing for this part of the talk is, is the collecting piece that nobody, especially kids, respond well when you just walk in and yell things. And you have to go and collect the person, and that helps them remind. It helps them remember their dignity and worth in God's eyes, because you're communicating their dignity and dignity and worth through your actions. The fourth practice is provide support. Um, there's this horrible um, saying. I don't. I don't know where it came came from, um, but I see a lot of parents on on Catholic home. <laughs> using it as in terms of obedience and it's um first time every time and with a cheerful heart and and it's it's it speaks to the parent's expectation that if i say it once you should go do it and you should be happy about it i don't know where this comes from but it's horrible <laughs> because it doesn't leave any room for relationship again it's treating the other person like they're a slave, not a person. Again, children need to obey. I am not denying that. Um, but we don't exercise our authority by not caring about where our kids are at or what they need or what's going on. And we don't exercise good authority by failing to provide the support our children need to succeed. Too often, we lead our kids into temptation by um, expecting developmentally inappropriate things or by, you know... Um, by expecting that things are going to follow through without us having actually taught them how to do the thing. 
So, you know, when we, when we, when we're asking our children to do something, we need to consider how consistently has this kid done this before? You know, are they really good at cleaning their room perfectly or do they struggle with that? Are they really good at speaking respectfully or do they struggle with that? Is it, is, are they, uh, you know, a hundred percent performance or are they kind of 50, 50, 50, they kind of get it sometimes. How much, how, how, how much can I look at this kid and see based on their past behavior that they are capable of doing this particular skill, whatever it is in lots of different contexts consistently and well. Based on that assessment, I, I have to step back and say, what level of support do I need to provide this kid to help them succeed? So again, I am expecting them to obey. I'm expecting them to change. I'm expecting them to do their, clean their room or do their homework or turn off the screens or speak respectfully or do all the million other things that I need my kids to do. But I'm approaching them in a way that says, what kind of support do I need to make that happen? So for instance, you know, if, 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 if I see that my kid's going to go into a situation that could be hard for them to handle. I'm not just going to say, hey, you know, be nice to your sister. I'm going to say, hey, I know it's hard for you to be nice to your sister in this situation. What would that look like? You know, how would you get your needs met while still being nice to her? Right? And I'm, and I'm, I'm exercising my authority by facilitating the process that, that it allows change to occur. I'm not exercising a kind of false authority by just saying, hey, be nice to your sister. I'm, provide, I'm, I'm recognizing that my child struggles with this, and I'm providing the support that my kid needs to succeed. Um, same thing with their, their room. You know, hey, I know that you really have a hard time cleaning your room to the, the level that I need you to. What, you know, let's go over what you need to do. And what do we need to do to make that happen this time? You know, and, and we talk it out and we figure out a plan where they're going to succeed. Right. So I'm providing the support they need to succeed at every stage. And, and that reminds them of their dignity and worth in God's eyes, because what happens if I just issue commands and I'm constantly jumping on them for failing? I make them feel like a loser. Right. I make them feel like they can never win, like they're never going to be enough. Like no matter what they do, they can't get my love. They can't get my approval. That doesn't communicate their dignity and worth in God's eyes. So. To be a merciful dad doesn't mean to let my kid off the hook for being kind to his sister or clean his room or be respectful or do his homework or any of the other million things I need. <coughs> Excuse me. To be a merciful dad means to expect great things from my children, to have high standards for my children, but to provide the support that they need to succeed so that they can see those standards not as this sword, sword hanging over their heads all the time, but rather as uh, something that's achievable and doable and that they want to strive for. The fifth practice, be curious. So in the first of this three series of podcasts on uh, being merciful, um, we talked about you know, our relationship with our Heavenly Father and our, the need to be merciful to ourselves. And I introduced the acronym COLE that the psychiatrist Daniel Siegel came up with. It's curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love. And I'm not going to go through what each of those means. You can review that podcast uh, on your own. Again, it's the, the first in these uh, three podcasts on Blessed Are the Dads Who Are Merciful. <clears throat> but how it doesn't just apply to our relationship with ourselves, right, or with our spouse, but it applies to our kids too. Sometimes our kids are going to struggle to do what we need them to do. And if we don't want them to feel like failures, like losers, like they're broken, um, we want to approach them with that, that curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love. Hey, buddy, we all struggle. You know, you know hey, hey, honey, we all struggle. Um, so talk to me. What's going on? 
you know, what's getting in the way, right? That's the curiosity. The openness is listening to what they say and not saying, oh, that's stupid. That's ridiculous. Well, you shouldn't have to worry about that. That shouldn't be a bother. That shouldn't be a problem. No, it's, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm open to hearing what they have to say. I'm accepting not as an excuse, but I'm, I'm accepting, okay, yeah, you know what? Dealing with that must be difficult for you. That's got to be really hard. So, and then I'm moving into love where I'm working for their good by saying, well, let's come up with a plan for handling that better. So instead of just yelling at them and making them feel like losers or making them feel like they can never win or making them feel like they're, they're failures and, and can, you know, are always going to be broken, I, I can approach them with that curiosity, openness, acceptance, and love that allows them to see that there is always a good motivation or a need behind the, even the resistance, even the struggles that they have. And if I can help them meet that need or deal with those struggles in healthy ways, then I can help my kids achieve all the things that they're setting out to do, all the things I want them to do. And, you know, when I treat my kids with, in this way, they actually want to listen to me because they recognize that, that I have their best interests at heart and that I'm working hard to help them and be everything God created them to be. The last point uh, in being blessed are the dads who are merciful to our kids is um, oh, catch them being good. That's right. So when they do succeed, make sure that we're pointing it out. You know, we don't have to throw a parade every time they do something well, but it does. It is helpful to say, hey, you did a great job. You know, I was really proud of you for being responsible. You were really responsible with that or you were really kind to your sister. I really you know, see you can do this. I'm really proud of you. You know, just pointing out, catching them being good is the best way to reinforce the idea that, that you are good and you, you can strive for better and you can be everything God created you to be. If I'm just yelling at them all the time, if I'm just barking at them, if I'm just correcting them, then they, I'm wearing out um, the relationship. I'm, I'm wearing them down. I'm, I'm letting them lose heart. But, but by looking for ways to build them up and point out the strengths that they have, then that gives me the credibility to go back and say, hey, you know what? I know you're struggling with this today, but I've seen you. Be respectful. I've seen you be responsible. I've seen you follow through. I've seen you do tough things. I've seen you have good self-control. What's it going to take to get you there here? How can we work together to, to help you do that again in this situation? Right. So by catching them being good, I'm not just patting them on the head and I'm not just giving them compliments. I'm, I'm setting the stage for helping them realize who they really are in God's eyes and making them want to strive for that in the times when it's difficult. So these six practices uh, help us be merciful to our kids in ways that don't just let them off, don't let them off the hook at all, um, and, and don't just pretend things are better than they are, but remind them of what their dignity and worth is in God's eyes and make them want to strive for it and help us give them the support they need to succeed so that even when we give them really challenging things to do, they're willing to strive for it. Because they know that we would never ask them to do anything that they weren't capable of and that we would never ask them to do something that we weren't willing to give them the support they needed. I hope that you'll in, I hope that you've enjoyed this section. I hope that you will pick up a copy of The Bedatitudes, Eight Ways to Be an Awesome Dad, um, because there's a lot more in the chapter that really unpacks all of this and would help you practice it. Of course, I'm always available for questions. If I, and I invite you to be a, a premium member of the uh, Catholic Home Bil- Community and post your questions in the Home Builders Forum about this episode or any of the others. If you're struggling to be a merciful dad in any way or want to share your successes uh, in trying to exercise this mercy that lets our children know what they're worth in God's eyes. Share it in the Home Builders Forum. I'd love to hear from you. But thanks for tuning in today, and God bless.